We're rolling. <laughs> I'm going to count us down. Ready. Three. Two. You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome back to Missing Out. I am Tari J. I am Lex Michael. And if this is your first time listening, we are uh, the retrospective that's introspective. What does that mean? It means that we introduce each other to different pieces of art, whether it is music, movies, TV, actual art, or spoken word. All these different ways that people express themselves. We introduce them to each other and we introduce them to you, the audience. And once again, we look back on them in a retrospective way and how they reflect on us in an introspective way and we are what are we the lex michael we're the retrospective that's introspective tari J. damn right i like this part of the show because it's like i just get to listen mm-hmm. i get to experience what it must be like for the folks at home who download this episode speaking of which download this episode wherever you can find podcasts like us subscribe give us five star ratings tell Hell all your yeah. friends tell people you don't like because maybe you'll bond over the show and you'll make a new friend for life Ooh, that sounds really nice. I like the idea of our show bringing people together. And they can do all those things on Google Play Store, iTunes, Podbean, uh, Stitcher. Do all those things. And you know what we do when you do those things? We read them here on this show. It's true. If you don't believe us, go back and listen to past episodes, our entire back catalog, in fact. Listen to all of them. Tell your friends about every episode individually. But you will hear if you do these reviews that we read you will know that we're telling the truth we are we are people of our word (laughs) uh and if you don't uh want to leave anything on those platforms you can go on our twitter which is at missing outcast m-i-s-s-i-n-g-o-u-t-c-a-s-t uh but today we are talking about a movie an animated movie it's called sword of the stranger i think it's also known as just strangers which i prefer as the title because the whole idea of the movie is about these people who are foreigners uh and i like that idea of it being like these people are in a strange land it Uh, does it does say more about the collective of characters than sort of the stranger does because sort of the stranger it's alliterative right it's a cool it's a great i think it's a great title but i think it says something very specific about one of them the sword of this stranger. It's not even a specific sword that they're talking about, but mm-hmm. this dude's sword, whichever sword he happens to have, makes real violent stuff happen. And that's true. It is an apt title, but it only says one specific thing about one character, whereas I agree with you. Strangers, I think, speaks to literally every character's experience in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't have sword in it, and there's no alliteration. That's true. And, and you know, you know how much they love alliteration in America, and if it was going to travel... Yeah, it's got to have that alliteration. Yeah. yeah. That's why we're called Missing Mount. Missing Mount? Missing Mount. Missing Mount. Just a, a little bit of background. This is created by Studio Bones. Um, the director is Masahiro Ando. Um, the English version was dubbed by Ocean Studios, which is up in Vancouver. So you hear a couple... Uh, familiar voices the main familiar voice being that of the blue eyes uh they they give him a name which 
I always just call him Blue Eyes, but it's uh, Lao Long, who's the the blonde haired blue eyed oh, soldier. Uh, Grumpy Link. Yes, that's what I called him. Um, we all have his names, uh, <laughs> but he is voiced by Scott McNeil, who you would recognize as. Uh, Piccolo in the ocean dub of Dragon Ball Z. I, mean, I wouldn't, but one well, night. You, the audience, um, <laughs> oh, who full, loves full anime. Full disclosure up top, I actually watched the original Japanese with subtitles. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw, I went on to, a, it's on Amazon Prime. Yeah. Uh, and I did the rental, and there were two options. And I just went original Japanese, because I was like, well, this will force me to focus. Uh <laughs> By the way, we'll talk about this. Like, I, I don't need to jump into it just yet. I think I figured out at a certain point, uh, watching this movie last night, um, yeah. I think I've been doing anime wrong. Okay. Like, that doesn't mean that suddenly uh, I'm going to flip a switch in my head and I'm going to be a real big fan of, of that entire uh, medium. But I think I've been doing it incorrectly. Interesting. I think I think I need to rethink my approach and I might end up getting more out of these. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, all right. Basically, okay. So, I really liked the aesthetics of this movie immediately. I actually like not to not to bury the lead too much. I ended up coming away from this really enjoying it, despite I, I having a fairly tenuous grasp of of what was going on. I think I get it, but I was not allowing myself to fully uh, in not invest in to fully absorb and appreciate the aesthetics of it which was what was working for me the most because i was pouring so much energy into trying to track the characters and the plot and figuring out like significance of individual bits of dialogue this stuff that i think for me was never gonna be my way in uh-huh. i think by doing that i create a situation where i'm putting too much pressure on myself to follow the the hard information yeah and so i'm not fully in the aesthetics even though i I'm appreciating them. Literally the last half hour or so of this movie, I just went, you know what? I'm just going to look at the pretty pictures. And I looked at the pretty pictures and within about 45 seconds, I was like, I'm, I'm following all of this so much better than I was before. <laughs> just, just by tracking it visually. Yeah. And then suddenly just tracking it visually gave meaning to every line and every interaction. But I, and of course, look, it's a, it's a visual medium. You'd think this was a no brainer, but because, because I was so, I was like trying to come at anime from an angle and I yeah. was trying to track information over uh, imagery. That's what I mean when I say, I think I was doing it wrong mm -hmm. because as soon as I started to track the imagery over the information, the information was just there. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't have to really work too hard to find it at that point. Yeah. I just had to go about it from the other way. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I, th I would say that anime in general is very much about the visual storytelling. And then like, cause essentially all the rest kind of falls into place, as you said. Um, whereas like a lot of American storytelling is about the, just the overall story and like who's in it and how they're portraying it. And so, especially, yeah, I mean, now too, if you're an American audience, like anytime a movie is released, that's not super frenetic, that's heady, that like takes its time, breathes, people are like, what is that? Boring. Go away. <laughs> Get to the point. Um, I could hear the, the thing blow out ever so slightly when I did that. Uh, that's how loud it sounds in my ear when people when people say those things. Right. Um, so, yeah, we get we get uh, 
placated in that sense by people start feeding into our short attention spans by just like, okay, information, 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 get to mm-hmm. the point, get to the point, get to the point. And even though I try very much not to approach uh, film and, and even television in only that way, yeah, you get conditioned without realizing it to be looking for like, then okay, what's the next plot point? What's the next like big piece of information? Why aren't we there yet? So even when it feels like the movie is is moving, like this didn't feel slow to me at all. My brain was constantly just looking for the next like kernel, you know what right. I mean? Instead of just sitting and allowing the story to uh, envelop me visually. Um, yeah, I found that to be, and I try, I try to do that on some level with everything that I watch because it is a visual medium, but allowing myself when approaching anime to start in that play, forget, forget every other thing, forget whether I understand a line that is spoken in the movie, just look at the visual storytelling and then allow that to lead me to the significance of everything else. Mm-hmm. That I guess is what I mean. Yeah. And that makes complete sense. Um, I actually watched the dub and this is my first time seeing the dub. Um, I had originally watched it at an anime expo on a big screen in the original Japanese. Um, so I was really interested to see how they portrayed the the Chinese parts. Because in, in, um, in the original Japanese version, they essentially have... And I don't remember if they subtitle the, Jap- the Chinese parts... Um, you'll have to remind me, but yeah, at okay. no, at no point were there scenes with characters having dialogue that wasn't subtitled. Oh, okay. That I remembered. Yeah. Um, so in the, yes. So they, 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 uh, essentially have, um, Chinese and then when it's just the Chinese people speaking to each other, then it'll just, it'll be moments in Japanese and they won't subtitle it or anything. Um, and in the dub, they actually don't subtitle the Jap- the Chinese at all. So it actually adds this really interesting layer um, coming into it from the Japanese perspective that these people are foreigners and you don't know what they're uh, trying to, to uh, communicate or that they could be plotting and you would have no idea. It's really interesting. That is actually it's incredibly compelling. It's also... Seems a little a little hashtag problematic to to depict your your foe of a different nationality as so inhuman. You know what I mean? Like that's not you can't communicate with them at all. You can't. I mean, you could if you if you learned each other's language. Yeah. Not knowing each other's language, the idea of them is almost this uh, uh, this boogeyman that you can't. It's like also like the Joker can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Yeah. So some of it, I'm like, well, I, that is deeply compelling, but I'm like, oh, that's, it's a, it's yeah. a sticky wicket. Well, a- I, 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 get, I feel like I get the problematic piece of it, but I also understand the, um, like where it comes from. Yes. And that it's, like, well, it's definitely rooted in the cultural history. Right. As well. And by the way, this is more of like a devil's advocate thing. This isn't me getting all like, uh, my, my sensibilities are not being offended by this idea. I just, I think of the, I hear voices in my head of people could have led that thought differently. Okay. I hear, uh, people 
these hypothetical imaginary people responding to this idea. And I'm like, what could people possibly take issue with there? And that was what I hit on. So I'm like, all right, for this, for the sake of argument, let's say somebody came to you and was like, hashtag problematic. Yeah. Right. You would, so you would lead with the cultural history point. Well, yes, I was, I was segueing into yeah. this piece where like, um, so I wanted to give a little bit of background of the, the relationship between China and Japan just to kind of fill in the additional um, tension that you get throughout this movie, which it takes place. They, they explicitly mentioned the Ming dynasty. Yes. So that means it takes place between 1550 and 1570. Um, so it specifically dates um the setting of this movie it specifically sets it between these two dates right um and so with that context you know that at this point china has invaded japan um at least three times once in 1274 uh once in 1281 and then a third time in 1285 unsuccessfully um and so like the last time is when uh they essentially coined the phrase kamikaze which was a mix of the Japanese uh, soldiers' prowess, but also the fact that they couldn't con- they couldn't invade them because of the the weather and the the natural winds that were working against them. Um, and during the Ming Dynasty, this was when Japanese pirates were a really big thing. And so at this point, uh, Japan had gone through, or not Japan, but like pirates from Japan had gone through China and essentially wrecked a bunch of stuff. Um, so, uh, I believe this was also, no, the, the, uh, Japanese invasion of, um, Korea in which China stepped in was a few years, I want to say a decade after this period. Okay. Um, but like that continued to build the tension between the two countries. Um, so there is a very long history of, kind of trying to subjugate and defense between China and Japan. So in this movie, essentially uh, China has people from China, the, the, the uh, emperor has sent people into Japan, which is a very uh, one could say sour notes or sore spot um, for the Japanese. And so it kind of really paints that tension between them. Okay. And, yeah. and it's like you get you get a sense of all of that, even not having the context. You get a sense of uh, two cultures very much opposed to each other. Um, one. All right. So I guess this goes back to the like this is an interesting depiction of a, a culture that you are at odds with, uh, especially given that in the the dub, as you say, they're presented as almost just like this force, this like languageless force because we don't understand. So they might as well like if the point is that we don't understand them at all, they might as well be speaking gibberish at that point if it is so uh indecipherable so these uh language lists almost like this this horde this this big villainous horde they're also the ones that want tell me if i misunderstood this that want to abduct a child to use the child's blood for some for some like power ritual for some god ritual thing yes so essentially it was prophesied that the blood of a child could help them create a specific elixir that would make them immortal. Okay, And yes. they, they were making it for the emperor, and this child happened to be Kotaru. And yes. so um, he was shipped off to Japan, and he was going to be sacrificed, um, but then he was set free by one of the monks. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are parts where um, 
it's when it when it is just um all like all the chinese people speaking there it's it's in english so i just wanted to make that known okay. so like you do get actual character building and you understand okay. that the unscrupulous people are unscrupulous and like there is honor amongst the warriors okay you made you made it sound at first like all of the chinese characters were only speaking unsubtitled chinese well when they were speaking okay yes so as a point of <laughs> clarification when they were speaking chinese it was actually chinese but when they were amongst just amongst themselves, it was basically okay. Yeah, so almost like your your ear has like the POV of the ears of the characters that don't speak the language, right? So when they're together, you get got it. Yes, I got yes, it. Yes. I can track this now. Cool. This was actually that was actually very helpful. <laughs> um. Okay. All right. So still, still though, given given all of the context, not a terribly flattering portrait of at least this faction of Chinese at this uh, point in history, right? That is correct. Yes. Um, I mean, I would equate it to old propaganda films that portrayed anyone who was an enemy as like the biggest, grossest caricature of those people. Right. Um, and so in, in, in that, like, it also makes sense that there's this moment, uh, not to jump uh, too far ahead, where essentially the people that you care about on the Chinese side, which is like... Um, Liang Lao and his friend whose name I forget. Um, he was he was the one who he was like his best friend, but I definitely didn't write his name down. Um, but he uh, and the rest of the warriors were talking about how they they don't really believe in the uh, the elixir. Right. Um, and they're just doing it because it was what they were ordered to do. Um, and you also get this piece where um, you realize that the, I guess this is also a really unflattering piece, but like they're essentially keeping the loyalty of the Chinese warriors by having them addicted to opium. Um, right. Which is, yes, I guess that is also super unflattering. Well, also, okay, so then, so then because we just hit another one, I guess... This is obviously this is a Japanese movie. So I guess my question would be how much does I think you would be able to speak to this better than I would. How much does the movie agree with this point of view? Because depiction is not necessarily endorsement. Okay. Uh, so it does do you think the point of view of the movie fully embraces the depiction that it's presenting? I don't actually. I think that everyone you care about in this movie, which is um, Kotaru, uh, No Name, and Lielong, um, uh, or Laolong, um, I believe that they are completely, they, they have no dogs in this race. It, they're essentially just acting uh, outside of the realms. And so, like, the movie is saying that, like, what is honorable is to do the right thing, and what is honorable is to also, like, die with honor and, and live as a warrior um sacrificing a kid is is a garbage thing to do no matter who you are you'd you'd think we'd all start there you know what i mean like you, <laughs> you'd think we wouldn't have to explain that to some of the characters in this picture but here we are i mean yes though like in that time f for, based on the context of the film like each different set of cultures was willing to do whatever it took to get a leg up on the other side. Right. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure if you believe 
truly that the the your will and your desires and your plans and that of the force supporting you is objectively the right one Mm -hmm. and you're like well you know if we have supreme power over this entire world we'll save millions of of good children we can sacrifice this one because then we can save all of the others it's like it's crazy logic but i could i could track it right and i i would say that like another piece of evidence kind of supporting that the movie itself doesn't agree with this is the is the fact that like no names like movie long arc is about how he gave up using the sword because he was forced to use it to kill children, which you would assume is the children of the, the previous, um, I guess I forget Shogunate or, or leader, whoever the, the leader person like, cause it, they imply that there was a coup. He was part of the, um, the coups, uh, army. And then he had to, uh, do the final strike to the the lineage of that previous shogunate. Well, that that actually just like uh, something else that that um, reminded me of that I I wanted to talk about a little bit. So you've you've had me watch now uh, a small sampling of anime. Yeah. And what I find interesting about a lot of anime that I see, certainly not all of it, but a lot of it, and certainly uh, when there's stories about uh, you know uh, uh, samurai or let's just say honor driven warriors. Yeah. Um, they feel very much in in many respects uh, like American westerns, or even more specifically. Uh, Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns mm-hmm. and I love it it becomes a, a, there's an element of snake eating its tail to it yeah. because a lot of it feels very much as well to me like uh, Kurosawa and Kurosawa was uh, widely considered to be one of the most if not the most western of uh, Japanese filmmakers of that time yeah. he made Yojimbo with Toshiro Mifune, which was the basis for Leone's Fistful of Dollars with Clint Eastwood It's it's almost a an exact translation mm-hmm. um, with a different gloss over it. Yeah. And that would then feed back into a cycle of these new entertainments that would start inspiring uh, more American Westerns. And then I think a lot of, uh, I mean, clearly based on the content of a lot of anime that I see, uh, it found its way back into or back in front of Japanese audiences. And then that DNA started to seep into what they were making. So it's this, big like uh just a mobius strip of influences and i thought that was the every time that popped back into my head i was like oh that's that's really cool how it all comes back around yeah i'm i'm actually really glad you noticed that that was a big piece of this movie is essentially just a big western Mm -hmm. you have your reluctant hero you have your um your spunky kid you have your uh your basically your your bad guy who just wants to do the shootout. Like he is, he's essentially the guy from out of town who the mayor brought in to kind of enforce things. You when, have your bandits you, and you've got, you, you know, your, your honor, your honorable warrior on a redemption journey of sorts in this movie has no name mm-hmm. like, like Clint Eastwood's character from those movies. Although sidebar, it's not that he has no name in that trilogy. It's that he has a different name in every movie. I think in Fistful of Dollars, they call him uh, Joe. Yeah. I think in uh, For a Few Dollars More, they call him Blanco or something like that. Yeah. And then uh, in Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, they call him Blondie, or Tuco calls him Blondie. Yeah. Well, I think it's actually exactly the same in that when he's dyeing his hair, he says that every person he's served has given him a different name. 
but he himself has no name. Right. It's that it's not that he has no name. It's that he has no one name. Right. Right. So it uh, tracks. Yeah. Totally. He's the same. But I liked. I like that. I also like. Dude, dude's handy with a sword. <laughs> yes, dude is he quite. Is. This is quite a violent movie, and not because it's all animated. It's so and it's so over the top and stylized. It's not. Gonna, I don't think it's going to make anybody squeamish mm-hmm. but man man oh man are a lot of folks uh pretty aggressively reorganized physically in, <laughs> in, in this movie um that's actually one of the things i really like about it is that no one by the end everyone is basically dead like they spend this whole movie kind of ingratiating you to people on both sides whether it be um blue eyes's best friend or it, it be uh the no name's previous teacher who like you you meet halfway through and he's like i'm gonna lead these guys in the next revolution etc all of them bite it um even even blue eyes bites it like spoilers i I really hope you've seen this by now but it doesn't change your your enjoyment of it um so everyone who uh you may have liked meets a very unceremonious end do you know? Do you know who doesn't is the dog. I was very <laughs> upset when that dog got hurt, and I am very relieved that he is okay. Oh, well, that's good. I got. I got a thing. Like I got a thing when animals get hurt in movies. I don't like a lot of people have like where their line is. Yeah. And like for me, it's like this is maybe an uncomfortable comparison to make, but like you know how people very rightly criticize the use of rape as a story trope. Uh-huh. How it almost always feels like really, like a really lazy, hacky way to evoke uh, like intense feelings on the part of the audience, and how it almost never feels completely earned by the story. Yeah, that's how I feel almost every single time I see an animal get. Not that I think the animal's really being harmed, but an animal harmed within the context of a story. Right. I get. I get why this was there and I'm actually not by the time you get to the end of the story it's like I understand I think what the purpose of this was those moments though those initial moments when that dog is hit with the little like the little poison tip yeah. and he's on the ground and he's like he's like puking a little bit I was I, I tell you what I was not a happy camper <laughs> Can I tell you though I really liked how well animated the dog puking was Yes but it was that much more upsetting <laughs> That was really like the all of the dismemberment in this movie and people getting cut in half and arrow, a lot of arrows going through people's necks, which was pretty gnarly. Yeah. None of that made me feel uncomfortable at all. I was just like, yes, more, please. Uh, the, the dog like that. Yeah. That like, but but again, like I understand why it's something they needed something to, I think, make make the boy have to enlist uh, blue eyes. Yeah, you needed something like you needed something that would really, really jar him. I think and and uh, thrust him in a position where he now has to has to take aggressive action, take point on making something happen. So it's right. like again, it's like all right, it's a it's a plot point, and I'm okay because the dog is fine. <laughs> uh. Um, and it was the cutest dog I've. I I really am a big fan of Shiba Inus, um, which is the type of dog that that was. Okay. Um. And it was very well rendered, and I loved everything that it did forever. Like when it shook free of that rope, and it was like, yelp, and then ran away and was like, yes. I've got to go get everyone. And I was like, yeah, this dog is great. There's a lot of, I loved the, the 
the art and the way it was animated. It all felt so very fluid. Mm-hmm. It felt very like, I felt like I could just like, if, if I didn't even have subtitles, I could just sit and look at the, the aesthetics of it. And I feel like it would be very calming. I mean, until people started getting taken apart with swords, yeah. but I feel like a lot of it would be very calming. I took a, a picture of the, uh, the, the little tableau of the, it's the shot from behind of all of them peeing together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a thing while they're on their journey, they all just stop. And there's this, like, it's not, it's very, very short. It's really only like two or three shots, but they established that the three of them, the dog, the boy and uh, blue eyes are all standing in a line relieving themselves. No name. No name. Yeah. Sorry. See, even when you say these names, I can't keep <laughs> any of this junk straight. Uh, no name. Uh, they're all peeing together. Yeah. It's very like, they made it a point that the pee is all steamy, mm-hmm. so you know it's just a little chilly wherever they are. <laughs> uh, very nice, very very uh, mellowing. Totally, it's like that scene in uh, Ghost Rider Two where he pees fire. <laughs> yeah. Ah, if you, I tell you what, you are all if you haven't seen it, missing out on at least. 30 to 45 seconds of Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Go to YouTube, search for Ghost Rider Peace Fire and and treat yourself. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty dope. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you had mentioned before we started recording that because uh, you were bringing up the violence. And so you, you were saying that some of the moments kind of uh, elicited laughter from you. Because it's just so violent and it's <laughs> so abrupt. And it's like, for me, I... I I think I got to I got to really I think be delicate in my phrasing here. As long as it is not real world violence with yes. real world consequences. Right. I think violence is hysterical. <laughs> in in stories, right. not again, again and I I feel like I can't hit this hard enough. No, in no way do I find real life violence with real life consequences funny in the slightest. Yeah. But something this cartoonishly, stylistically, and abruptly violent, I can't help but laugh. Because it is like, forget, were we even on mic when we started talking about this? Or is it? No, we weren't. No. Because we were talking about Paddington and how that style of physical comedy is not necessarily your cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And then we, we tangented, tangented into uh, talking about how like all comedy is rooted in subversion of expectation. Right. So... That's why, that's why too, it's like, for the most part, like there are sitcoms I like, but sitcoms don't do a ton for me yeah. because if you watch them enough, you may not be able to predict what the performer is going to do spontaneously. That I think is where most of, most of the, the interest for me in sitcoms is now, but the jokes themselves, you can usually see coming and not only the joke itself, but you can start like clockwork. You can almost start to feel the timing of it. Mm-hmm. So now a lot of what makes me laugh the most, I find the most funny just because it, it shocks me just it jars me just something i really didn't see coming yeah you'd think that by the hour 30 mark in this movie i'd start seeing some of these incredibly violent moments coming out of nowhere but every time like when the dude gets cut in half near the end Mm -hmm. i was like what (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think some of them are are actually played for last so let me take for example after the um the old chinese guy that's a weird way to say that um, I forget his name. Let's call him old guy. When the old guy with a gun um, shoots uh, <laughs> shoots the Shogun and uh, then gets his arms chopped off. And he's just, yes. he's like, he's like, what are you doing? And his like <laughs> arm is just kind of dangling on the edge of it. There's uh, almost like a Monty Python-esque element to it. Yeah. 
Let's say you got an arm off. And then like, and then even after he gets his other arm cut off and he's, and I think maybe a leg, he like still is like, I deserve to be immortal. Like he's like crawling there and you're like, bro, give up. Like, why are you still no, it trying? Is, it is very much like the Black Knight in Holy Grail. Or <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he's like, I'm still, I'm going to get you. And, and King Arthur's like, no, you're not. You've got no arms left. Yeah. So have you seen, have you seen Holy Grail? No. Okay, so we're doing a show on Holy Grail at some point because I haven't seen it in years and years and years, and I want to watch it again. Yeah. But we're not. I already have like my next two things picked out, so this is going to be in like a month and a half oh. at the earliest. But we're okay. going to do it. Okay. So look forward to that, folks. Anyway, you yeah. were saying about this man with no arms who still really <laughs> wants to be immortal. I feel like you'd want to be immortal the least at that point because you have no arms left. Unless, do you regenerate if you're immortal? I don't know. I do mean, you get like Wolverine powers. Maybe. I mean, there has to be some benefit to being immortal. You can assume that, like, maybe he even becomes young again. He regrows his arms um, and can never, ever die. That'd be dope. I mean, if you were also indestructible. Yeah. But also if you didn't care about anybody. Because then you'd still, unless you could make all of your friends and loved ones immortal, then it's just like, well, I'll, I'll be here. See I mean, you guys. He, I, I would assume he'd be able to. Because it's... It's supposed to be enough elixir for at least him and the emperor. So, but you also wonder once you once you've tapped into that, especially if you're the type of person who's so game to kill a child. Yeah. Uh, do you think you willingly share it once you've got it? Um, you know, you give like a little bit, just just like cut off ten percent at the top. Uh, you know, be like, oh man, that that kid's blood only gave us like a vial. I'm so sad. As you give you you let I think you let everybody know that you have the supply, but you give them just a little bit. You give uh, them yeah. just enough that they want more, and they have to come to you because you're the only one with this kid's magic blood. Yeah, yeah. Too bad we didn't talk about this back in like 2014 when magic blood was all the rage. It was, what, all was the that rage. the was that the year was that the because I know Kurtzman and Orsi wrote a couple of movies where magic blood was a thing and, yeah like and it didn't make it to, like they Star Trek into Darkness Khan's magic blood was a thing that literally yes. cured death in the movie right uh, and then also Amazing Spider Man two yes sir. Uh, he had like the magic blood that mm. Harry wanted wanted to cure him of like dinosaur disease or whatever <laughs> it is that they had it was goblin disorder a uh, duh. <laughs> Did we never? Sorry, this, this is a hard tangent, but like we never in that movie address why Norman Osborn is turning into a velociraptor. <laughs> it's a genetic disorder <laughs> that what regresses evolution. Disorder? What genetic disorder gives you a dinosaur claw? <laughs> <laughs> well, so in the in the deleted scenes, uh, you see uh, Koopa from the 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 super mario brothers movie dennis hopper yeah dennis hopper comes in was dennis and, hopper still alive at that point i thought dennis hopper died before that bro this is you know what bit. peter cushing was in bro. rogue one it's, yeah. an, it's an age of miracles <laughs> yeah so uh a person with a cgi dennis <laughs> hopper face and uh you know those weird blonde cornrows he had comes in and he's like hey you wanna you wanna you want to de-age? And he's like, yeah. And then he like takes the elixir and he's like, I meant 
dino age. And he looks in the camera and winks. And then uh, Norman Osborn starts turning into a velociraptor. And he's like, got him. And then he runs out. And they're like, we should get rid of this scene. It has no, it has, it, no one will get it. And so it, they deleted but the pe- it. But the people who would get it would love it. <laughs> I did. I saw it on YouTube. Look, look for it. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. And like you hired Chris Cooper for one scene where he's in bed with a dinosaur hand. Yeah. Oh boy. That was a, that was a move. Dude. Electro. Blue, <sighs> blue, sparkly Jamie Foxx. My biggest issue was that turning into Electro fixed his teeth. That was your biggest issue? Yes. My biggest issue is that you could remove Electro from that movie entirely and not impact the plot in the slightest. I don't know. And we spend a lot of time on Electro. Maybe, but like, there's that moment when he plays Itsy Bitsy Spider on the Electro Conductors. You would miss out on that. Um, There's also this other part where he like fixes his hair and becomes obsessed with Spider-Man. Like he has a whole apartment full of Spider-Man stuff. Oh yeah. Um, Oh yeah. He's basically... uh... Edward Nigma in Batman Forever. Yeah, that's right. Like he almost—he's almost exactly Nigma until he changes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you would miss out on all those things. And also, I think at some point, maybe if you squint hard enough, you can see Jamie Foxx's penis. So, ladies, squint real hard and watch Spider-Man, Amazing that, Spider-Man that, 2. Wait, is that true? Or are you, like, referencing that bit in Scream where Rose McGowan says, if you pause all the right moves just right, you can see Tom Cruise's penis? Um, uh, I think it's true. I think it's true. I mean, you can definitely see Jamie Foxx's penis in Django Unchained. This oh, is yeah, the, when he's upside down? Yeah. <laughs> this, this is the this Jamie Foxx Penis Podcast. Spot, Thanks for joining Jamie us. Jamie Foxx's wiener. There was, there was, <laughs> just, dang, there was, oh, no, I remember what I was just giggling about. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 does include one of the greatest uh, motion picture moments of the, the last two decades, which is, as you all know, <laughs> at the end of the movie, Paul Giamatti in that giant mech suit screaming, I am the rhino! <laughs> that is that is peak cinema. Not just superhero cinema. That is peak American cinema. Hell yeah. Um, speaking of kooky characters, I really liked the characters in, in this movie. Like yes. how they, uh, we kind of got into how they're, traditional archetypes yeah it's interesting how especially uh you guiding me towards anime again you notice the same couple of types recurring over and over Mm -hmm. you have your uh your mysterious hero with a past who befriends a kid and the kid's usually precocious and even though they're not uh world tested they have a, a bit of a wiseness to them beyond their years enough that they can they sometimes know things they can intuit things that the mysterious hero with a past Cannot. Yeah. Um, there's also like a nasty villainous person, uh, a lot of times exhibiting uh, very indulgent habits, I guess, to like to emphasize this is a nasty person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at least one of these characters, if not more, is is uh, way into perversity. And sometimes there is overlap between all of these types. These are not uh, uh, th- there's a lot of Venn diagram uh, overlapping happening. Right. Um, I also just, even the side characters, I like, there's a lot of economy of word usage. So like you get who a character is 
just from a few words. So there's this moment when Blue Eyes' best friend is like sitting in a room and one of his friends is like, you're just waiting for him like a like an old wife. And you're like, oh, man, those two have such a history together. Yeah. Um, and then there's this one moment, which I found really, I found it funny, but I don't know. It wasn't supposed to be funny. Um, but like when um, the Shogun, uh, the I should start saying his name because it's important. Itadori, um, the, the like main trainer of the armies and all that stuff. Um I'm just to refresh. He uh, he had the sword fight with uh, Blue Eyes, and then eventually we had the lance versus sword fight with Blue Eyes. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. So Itadori, um, one of his main companions, was like, "I'm your friend right now, but you know, you know what my reward is." And he's like, "The princess is all yours." Um, and I thought that was a really cute moment and you're like i get why this guy these two guys are best friends right and i get that like um there's a lot of loyalty between the two of them yes i mean and that's that's really efficient character building and that's also by extension very efficient storytelling yeah this movie might be pretty good it's great. I think this movie might be pretty good. Again, now I'm not. I'm not gonna look. I'm not gonna sit here and say that all of a sudden I'm an anime fan in a way that I I never could have envisioned before. But no, like I actually. I, but again, it took me. It really did take me. This is all hindsight. Yeah. It took me until the last half an hour or so to actually like click in with it. And it's really only in this conversation that I'm I'm parsing my thoughts and going like, oh yeah, no, this was actually a very solid piece of storytelling on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you heard it here first. Lex Michael is the number one weeboo otaku anime fan. I don't know what those words mean, dude. You will. Actually, you otaku, will. otaku is like, um, I know. Okay, so years ago, Patton Oswalt wrote a real big Facebook post about uh, otakus yeah. and how like in the internet age, we can just learn, uh, uh, like we can read big summations of things like Wikipedia articles and we can learn like chunks of information about a bunch of different things. And we think that's the same as being experts in something. Uh And what that does in, in his words is it creates weak otakus. So I can use context clues to figure out what an otaku is. (laughs) I don't know what the rest, I don't know what you just said. Um, I mean, an otaku is basically just someone who's a really big fan of, Japanese animation, uh, a weeb, a weeb or a weebu, uh, is someone who is uh, super obsessed with Japanese culture. So, like the equivalent would be like someone who is an Anglophile, um, which is a more common term for people who so, love so English. We, so, so weebu is that for Japanese culture? Yes, I've I've met several weebus. Yep, you. I don't know that they they identified as such, but yes, that that is what they were. Um. I don't. I'm, I'm sure that if you called them a weeboo, they'd be like, "Eat poop." Wait, is uh, that like an offensive term? Yeah, people don't like it. Oh, then I I walk back what I said. I've no, known none true. of those. I've you only know... known very lovely people. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met someone in any walk of life that wasn't perfectly lovely. Nope. You 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 already said it. You're a big weeb to fan. Be, to be fair, all the weebs. To be fair, you all you all heard. I can I can uh, claim ignorance on this point. I didn't know the power that I wielded in that moment. I am very I am very sorry. Yeah, tell everyone the names of your weeb this friends. Is a, this is a teaching moment. Time I to think smoke some weeb. I'm gonna do a Matt Damon, and I'm just gonna sit back and keep my mouth shut now. Oh, shit. Yeah.
damn. It's just getting real shady in here because he threw some shade. Oh, when when Matt Damon listens to this episode, he's gonna be like, "Hey," <laughs> or he'll be quiet about it. <laughs> he'll take. He'll just go and sit back in his chair. Ah, <laughs> uh, jeez. Um, what else did I really, really like? I also liked stuff. Been there. um i i was really conflicted about the uh the monk uh i believe his name was shoan um master shoan who was the original guy who uh got uh kotaru free uh i was sad that he killed himself because like he was up until the moment where he was he started um basically being like oh anyone would have done it i was like he's redeemable like he was he was his life was under threat and he he like had no other choice um but to like give this kid up but then he started getting all self-righteous and you're like man you 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 screwed the pooch bro But that was how I felt. That's, that's I don't have. I wish I had more to like <laughs> to offer in response. Then, yeah. Um. So, uh, one other thing I really liked about the dub, um, which is a confl- a thing I feel conflicted saying. Okay. Um. But I I really liked the um. If you ever have a chance to watch it, I really liked that they tried to be as accurate with the pronunciation of the. Japanese and Chinese names. Okay. Um, because in a lot of dubs, you will get a very like English Americanization of uh, most names, but like they were very specific to be like Kotaru as opposed to Kotaru. My name's Kotaru. Don't right. call me kid. Right. Um, I thought I really enjoyed that. I also really enjoyed that they didn't, um, they let. Whenever Blue Eyes was speaking Chinese, they kept the original uh, Chinese voice actor in there. And so, like, when he would be, when they would go to, uh, like, English, because it's just Chinese people in the room, um, then that's when Sean McNeil would speak. But anytime he was speaking uh, Chinese, like, in the movie, Mm -hmm. um, they kept the original Chinese, which I thought was really cool. Because that is another thing that is, could be very problematic where you're like, look, listen to these people try to speak Chinese. Right. And they're, I'm not going to do my own version because I don't speak Chinese. But like, I liked that aspect of it. So these are like really small things that I really enjoyed about dubs because I've seen so many like dubs and subs. And I, I typically really lean towards the original Japanese of things because I feel like especially in movies like this where the the rendering and the the like frame rates are so tight um that the lips don't match up because they are so synced up to the original japanese like right. all the phrasing and every like movement is drawn in there as opposed to the the like usual three step uh lip flap which is open mid and close mm-hmm. so then uh, essentially you can make flap. someone say anything by going um uh, open mid, op- mid, open mid, open mid, close, open mid, and then essentially they just 
say the words in between there right. and it, and your brain fills it in. Um, but in these where it is so accurately drawn, it's hard to like do a dub because you know that the intonations and the, and the like mouth moving isn't where it's supposed to be. Right. Um, but I think they did a really good job. When you're uh, also getting, you're getting a more, I don't know if I want to say more authentic, but I guess, yeah, for lack of a better way of putting it, a more authentic performance. Because with the dub, you're right, like the actors are working off a translation to begin with. Right. So you've got, you've got that element that you were describing about it not lining up visually, but then you've also got this element of, well, you're, what you're getting is a distilled version of the original text. Yeah. So yeah, I always I always are on the side of if if I can get the original subtitled version, that's what I'm going to go with because it would be you know that is the most I mean to call, the most authentic rings of pretension to me, but I can't think of a a more accurate way to put it. Right. Well, I, I mean, I, I to yep. I would say <laughs> <laughs> I mean I would say that like you are getting the piece as it was originally meant to be. Right. Um, so like authentic or inauthentic, whatever, but like, um, it, it, that is the, the, it, it most closely services the original intention. Right. Yes. So. That is, that is actually a better, maybe less pretentious way to put it. <laughs> um, I mean, we're all about pretension here, baby. Ooh, yeah. We like our, we like our coffee black. Ooh, yeah. We, we, we I do like my coffee black. I'm, is yeah. it pretentious if it's, if it's true? No, no, because pre- pretension requires pretense. There has yeah. to be a putting on of airs, which is why that the authenticity thing from a second ago is is pretension. But me saying I like to drink black coffee is not pretension because I do. Mm, and I don't okay. do it to be cool. I do it because cream and sugar make me feel sticky. Ooh. We should we should do a whole show on how sticky <laughs> you feel after drinking cream and sugar. <laughs> Oh, dude! No, seriously, we could do we could do two hours on all of my like food neuroses that you're missing <laughs> out on. Um, I I'm sad that I couldn't think of more pretension things than like <laughs> black coffee. I wish I could have been like, oh man, I also manic cure my toes. I don't know. But if that's true, it's not pre- now. Okay, the why behind it might make it pretentious. If you do it just because you like. You want to practice manicuring yourself, and it's cheaper than going to a manicurist. A manicurist, <laughs> um, sure. I don't think that's pretentious at all. Mm-hmm. But if you do it because it's like, oh well, it's so you know, it's so pedestrian to go to these uh, these establishments and have them do it. Yeah. I can do. I'm more connected with myself, and my energy flows better this way, and I'm a stronger, more fulfilled person. Then it's like, shut up. <laughs> it's like that's pretentious as shit. Stop it. Yeah. Can I also, now that I've minced words, I I really like the concept of a meander curist, where like they <laughs> they start with uh like a fingernail and then they walk away. That's, yeah, they just wander then, off. Yeah. It's like are they, twenty minutes later, are they coming back? Yeah. They it's did part one, of the service. They did one nail. <laughs> it's been twenty minutes. <laughs> I thought I thought I heard the door open and shut like 15 minutes ago. <laughs> Are they here? <laughs> you hear the microwave in the back. <laughs> and they just start laughing and they're watching Family Feud. And you're like, w- when are you finished? And then... <laughs> 
it's a it's a marathon of family feud. You're, yeah. you're there for a while, <laughs> but it's worth it. It's a very it's a very uh, relaxing atmosphere. Totally, they have some calming music. There's yeah. a little fountain that makes a babbling brook sound, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yet you find your blood starting to boil gradually, <laughs> and none of this is helping. <laughs> Oh, geez. Um, okay. So any last thoughts before I wrap this baby up? Um, it took me a while. Liked it more than I thought I would. Like, if I'm being totally honest, when you were like, it's an anime movie, I was like, you're ki- stop it. You're killing me with these. Um, I ended up I ended up enjoying it. And I ended up uh, uh, more, more even than enjoying it, which I did. I found a lot more to appreciate than I thought I was going to going in. Awesome. Uh, and I will never stop with these. No, I, uh, I assume you won't. Um, I, I appreciate you uh, spacing them out. Yes. But like I said, like I'm very curious now, the next one that you throw at me, I'm curious to see if I adopt the mindset that I was able to to click over into for the last half hour of this one yeah. from the opening frame. Let's see if I have a more uh, enriching experience going forward. Because this one, again, like in hindsight, even just uh, having, I feel I only fully absorbed that last half hour or so. I was like, oh, yeah. All right. There's not, there's not nothing mm-hmm. here. It's not, it's not just a, <laughs> a swirling abyss <laughs> <laughs> with some cartoons over it yeah. for me to fall into. Which is only what I watch. Just swirling this <laughs> with cartoons on top. Uh, do you remember? No, what I'm picturing is like, do you remember the um old like, uh, uh, this was like Windows screensavers where it was just those colored, almost like pipe looking things and it yeah. would just like build itself and mm-hmm. that was your screensaver? Yeah. Just that. That's what you watch. You just watch like five hour blocks of that. And it's almost like reading. It's almost like reading the matrix. Like how Cypher tells Neo looking at all the code. He's like, yeah, you see all the code, but I see like blonde, brunette, redhead. It's like that. Like you're so familiar with it that you now know how to read the different types. (laughs) And you're just like, this is you're laughing. You're crying. You're like, it's, and we just, we watch you and we kind of look at each other. It's like, is he, is he okay? (laughs) Should we be worried? You should. You should always be worried. <laughs> like your head is doing full 360 spins while you're doing this. I like I like the thing you're doing with your tongue in your mouth right now. That's what's really that's what's selling it for me. I don't ever want anyone to tell me the words. I like what you're doing with your tongue in your mouth. As long as it's in your mouth, you're you're still safe, right? Uh-huh. Right? In theory, so. it's not like this hypothetical person is saying, I like what I'm doing with my tongue in your mouth. Oh, They're right. Right. Um, that's a that's a horse of a different color. Yep. That's the phrase. That's the phrase. <laughs> um, everyone knows. It's definitely not. <laughs> I like what you're doing with your tongue in that horse. No. <laughs> that's see. <laughs> see how much worse it could be. Because uh, everyone. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> What? Nothing. I was, Everyone what? I was gonna make it I was gonna make a reference to the movie. And then I was just like, I don't wanna. I just don't wanna. <laughs> and I'm just over. We're done. <laughs> Guys, thanks for listening. Oh man. <laughs> this is uh this has been missing out. Um with Tari J and Lex Michael. That's me. Hey, Lex. Yeah. Where can they find you? Um places 
sometimes I I pee by a lake with a child and a dog. Oof. Uh, yeah. Uh, no tongues involved. <laughs> I sw- no tongues involved. Abs. No. This definitely doesn't. Is it making it no. better? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I'm on. Oh, jeez, I am all over social media at the Lex Michael. <laughs> don't don't at me about the pee. <laughs> but at him about the kid and the dog, <laughs> specifically about that. No, no pee, no tongues. That's, uh, that's I'm gonna get. A, I'm gonna get a shirt. That's gonna be my new my new bio. <laughs> it's just no pee, no tongues. Um, I wish our president would abide by that. Oh, that joke is like a good skin cream. It's topical. <laughs> you can find me at Tari J T A U R I J A Y at me <laughs> at, at Tari about P. Please do. Um, and also tell me tell, tell us uh, via Twitter how you feel about tongue. Do you th- are you like me and you think they're like gross mouth slugs? Please <laughs> let me know. You can do so at Missing Outcast, M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T. Uh, you know what this feels like? This feels so like Beck has a few tracks uh, where at the end of the track, it'll uh, he'll do like a... And there'll be like a... Almost like the entire mechanism of the song is collapsing in on itself <laughs> at the end. That's what's happening here. <laughs> Well, watch it continue to collapse <laughs> on iTunes, SoundCloud, not SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Store, and Podbean. Um, thanks again. Make sure that you take the time to uh, rate us and leave a comment if you love what we're doing. Uh, five stars is dope. Anything less makes me cry. I've seen it. Um, and uh, we'll see you next week at Tuesday. Bye. Yep.